Uh, good evening uh, from uh, the AF Symposium. I'm joined by Professor Helmut. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today in this conversation. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Um, Professor Helmut is the head of the Department of Electrophysiology at Ordens Klinikum Linz, yeah. uh, Austria, as well as the era president-elect from 2022 to 20, 2024. And he's been already actively working with the European Heart Rhythm Association since 2012. Um, so, you know, this is the bio that everybody knows. What is something that people might not know about you? Well, good friends of mine know that I'm quite passionate for singing. I'm a singer in the choir. I'm also the the president of the choir. It's not the conductor, it's the president. So I, I see a theme here. No, like. <laughs> I'm doing this uh, for many years now together with my wife. Yes. Uh, I'm quite family bound, I would say. We have three kids, all, all adults in, in the meantime. And I'm, uh, well, very passionate in, in, uh, in sports. So I do a lot of cycling. Yes. I go with my bicycle from my home to the hospital every day, at least from February to November. Otherwise, there is too much snow. How many kilometers or it's how many around, miles? Uh, kilometers, it's around 15 in one direction. So it's 30 kilometers around, I don't know, 20 miles, something like okay. that. Okay. So it's almost like a half a marathon a day. Uh, yeah, by, by, by bicycle. Sometimes I do it in a longer, longer run if I have more time. But yeah. otherwise, this is the shortest distance. And uh, I love to be fit. Yeah. yeah. You need that. Good fit, good heart. Like, yeah. Maybe one last before we continue. What kind of singing? What kind of music? Uh, all kinds of music. Uh, we are doing both the classical part. We are singing holy masses. We are working together with orchestras. But we are also doing gospel music, pop music, oh, things yeah, like yeah. that. I feel like at the end of the, <laughs> you know, I'm as a, a blooper, big fan I of the Beatles. I play the guitar and, uh, well, uh, I would say this kind of music from, from the 60s is something I love. But I love all kinds of, of good music. Good. I love so Bach. Let's talk about remote patient monitoring. <laughs> yes. This is too much fun to continue sure. with. I want to make sure we finish on time as well. Um, so, remote patient monitoring, digital health, wearables. Yeah. Do you believe in the remote patient monitoring model? Sure, sure. I think this is the way to go. I think it has to be supported in some way or other. We have heard here a lot of things on artificial intelligence, machine learning. Yes. So that these algorithms go better and better, so that they can have, they, they can diagnose arrhythmias without being overread by physicians in, in every case, so that they can then target and can sort out the ones that are relevant and then they are supplied to the physician mm -hmm. and exclude the others which are not relevant. And I think this is in, in, an, uh, in a world where this will be um, increasing from year to year, this is, this is the way to go. So we need support, but I strongly believe in this because it, it also means that the, the person, the individual, gets much more of, um, I would say, access to his or her personal data. So that has something to do with democratization of medicine as well. Yes, and, and uh, it gives the empowerment to the patient. They can take better exactly. decisions, live healthier. That's, that's the word, empowerment. Uh, so what's maybe what's hindering us? We have this vision on where we want to go. What do you think are right now the pitfalls or the challenges? A lot of, I would say, opportunities and challenges are still there. The one thing is, if we go 
to the devices that are already implanted by physicians, this is pacemaker, ICDs, loop recorders. We have a problem in the way that we have established on the one hand this telemonitoring so that we are fed with the data that come over transmitting devices to an internet platform and we can access this. Perfect. Yes. This works. However, this is a bunch of data, overwhelming data, so we need filters. One filter is that we um, that we ask middleware companies for their support, so they they kind of pre-filter the information and then send us the data. And one thing for the future, which is very relevant, I think, is that we have to use a common language for all these implantable devices. So this is something that the societies like Heart Rhythm Society in the United States and the ERA, the European Heart Rhythm Association, now work together, now, now try to, 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 to improve so that we get a common language mm -hmm. as we have in the DICOM format for, in, for, um, for imaging. Yes. So that then this data can be easily read, easily identified, easily by, by, by some, some language then transferred to the medical health records of this patient so that it goes directly into the records and then, then it's stored. So we, 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 we don't have to kind of have different, um, different platform for every company because this is a lot of work and we have to do this. This is something for the future. Then of Maybe course, middleware companies on, um, and, and on yeah. DICOM, right? Yeah. How much time did it take to form this uh, standardization? Oh, I, I can't, I can't tell you on that because I'm not an um, uh, imaging, imaging doctor. But it, 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 it worked. So every CT, every MRI that you send somewhere from one hospital to the other is in a DICOM yes. format, and everybody can read the DICOM yes. format. This is very different from the pacemakers, CRT manufacturers, every manufacturer has its own platform yes. and its own language. And this is the problem we have to work on. M maybe then the question is, do you think we can get to the standardization in the next year or is it going to take uh, three I, years? It, it will take some years, but we are now having had the first big meeting during um, the era. Uh, I think it, no, yeah, I think it was at the ESC Congress where uh, all the stakeholders came together. Mm. So the pacemaker companies, Medtronic, Biotronic, and so on, and the middleware companies, and then the physicians like us talking together. And there is al already some kind of basis uh, developed from, um, from colleagues from the HRS so that we could do this if the, if the companies then are accepting this kind I of... I see. Language. This is some really fundamental work in order yeah. to make this... To, to make it harmonized and to make it accessible to the medical yes. health records of the patient. Okay, this is really a fundamental step in you know, laying the foundation. Yeah. And then let's say we have this foundation and then in comes a flux of data from... Yeah. Then we need, as I told you, and as we heard here, artificial intelligence to kind of, to kind of pre-select the, the, the tracings that are relevant, and then we need some manual overreading in some cases, 
and this will be the task also of the, of the third, of the middleware companies, and then of course this has then been transferred to the physician who is responsible for his or her patient. I see. So I these see. are the steps. This is the one thing. Another thing, maybe in your direction of the question you ask, is what is about consumer-led um, devices? So what is about, uh, let me say, uh, a, a watch, a smart watch that I have, because there you can get data out, but this data have to be sent somewhere and have to be then seen by somewhere. It's for somebody here also, artificial intelligence comes into the game, and maybe also this kind of uh, language, the common language, and then the same that this is filtered and then transferred to the medical yes, health records, yes, yes. in case it makes sense for a given person given patient and in case this is a medical um, necessity to do it. I, I, I stress this because of course a lot of young people now use these devices which are where there is no medical reason yes. to do it. They just do it because of curiosity. Maybe a controversial think, question. Do you yeah. think we should uh, almost like limit like if you're under 40 you cannot use this or under... Good example is AF screening. Yeah. Screening for atrial fibrillation to make it to make it uh, concrete on an example. Atrial fibrillation is an arrhythmia disturbance that affects commonly elderly patients, and it is linked with complications like stroke, heart failure, increased rates of death. Mm -hmm. So we want to get it as early on as possible, but we want to f to select the right persons, the right individuals, where there is there is no doubt that it makes sense. We are not there medically, so we do not know in which populations it's the best way to go, but it will be elderly patients. It yes. will be patients with a higher risk where you can gain something. Higher risk and elderly means at least 65 of age. Correct. So if, if somebody comes up with 40 years of age and, t and, and asks me, well, can, you, can I do some AF screening? He or she can do, but Correct. I will not be involved no. in, this, in this individual whatever. Yeah, but what, there is uh, maybe not, like 90% of smartwatch owners are exactly. younger than 65, yeah. and they so. all have ECG functionalities. Yeah, but this, of course, has to made, be made clear that it is something that cannot be supported by the public health system. Yes. Of course, this patient or this young individual can can come to a physician and say, "Okay, can you take a look?" But this cannot be uh, taken over by the public health care system. No. Of course. No, 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 exactly. That's interesting. So, what do we do when when consumers are using these devices? Are what's the process? They're knocking on on the GP's door and then coming to you, or? Yeah, this is the process. They are they are contacting a physician. Uh, where they have some kind of uh, trust that this might be a, a good a good uh, way to to get good information, and of course then I have to tell him or her this is uh, something you can do, but uh, please don't. please uh, first <laughs> is it necessary? Is there any? Is it just curiosity, or do you have any symptoms? Yes. If there is symptoms, of course, then with new, for example smartwatches, they then not only have um, platysmographic rates that you can get, higher rate, lower rate, but you can get ECGs, and these ECGs get better and better, have a good quality, and then they can be transferred, sent via PDF format yeah. to, to the physician. Yes, yes. And so if I hear what, what works 
what works very well in a good remote patient monitoring solution implementation is one having data standardization. Yep. So the data is coming in in the same place, exactly. in the same format. And then second component would be adding the machine learning exactly. in order to filter out you know, the sea and of data. Exactly, and the third is to have a clear indication, a medical necessi necessity to do it. Uh, otherwise, you know, we, yes. cannot, we cannot cope with this kind but of thing. But who's responsible in this? Because it's, there's different parties, right? So you have sure. tech, you have medical, you have regulatory. I, I think it, it, is to, it is one of our uh, tasks that we have from the medical societies that we can that we have to define the population of interest where we want to do some screening. Mm -hmm. This is, and then we have to negotiate this with the uh, insurance, health insurance companies, with, uh, for example, if it's a public system with the public payers in the okay. respective countries. Yes, really nice. So maybe to round off is, um, what do you think success looks like uh, you know, for for the patient and the clinician using remote patient monitoring, using wearables, like the ideal situation. Well, a success for a um, recipient of a pacemaker or an ICD is that he or she does not have to show up in a hospital, can stay home, and gets information on the device, on the health status, without entering the clinic. So mm -hmm. that there is no transport, no cost for this, and still there is contact there so that they know that the patient is well treated, yeah. is seen, and we get the information, and he gets some feedback whether this is a no problem or there is any problem. Yeah. So this is something the patient might want because it's not very comfortable to wait one hour, two hours in the hospital in order to be seen for five minutes and to can, can have a, a short talk with, with the, the physician. For any other, for example, consumer-led, well, if it makes sense, if there is symptoms, of course, uh, a success is that he or she gets it on the watch so we don't have to, to implant recorders. It's now non-invasive, patient suffering from palpitations from extra beats. This is now then transferred. This is recorded via the, the mobile phone mm -hmm. and then uh, transferred directly via PDF file to, to an address. This is something that goes smoothly. Uh, the patient can do it on its own and then gets the contact with, with physician. I think this is something also that is a, a success uh, that, that, that makes satisfaction to, yes. to the individual, that this is easy and you can have it whenever you want because the problem we have in some symptoms of patients is that we can't record them if we just take no. one 24-hour holter, but if they have their watch on or something else, then it's, it's much easier yes. to get a diagnosis. So and to get a diagnosis in rare symptoms by this is a, is a success. And, and for the physicians, what is... I think the success is then there. It, it is satisfying for us if we get filtered information where we have something to act on mm. so that it makes sense that I'm confronted with the data in the clinic. Yes. That, that I don't have to uh, overread something that, uh, that should be clear so that I don't even have to see it. And then we can you know, sort it out. It's not relevant. And on the other hand, I get relevant information and can contact the, the, the patient on the phone, come in and say, okay, there's a problem, you have gained weight, yeah. you know that you have a sick heart, please 
try to get more diuretics, please be aware of fluid intake and th something like that. Mm. So if it makes sense, if it improves the health of the patient and if it's filtered in an adequate way so that I have to deal, I can deal with relevant information and don't have to look for many irrelevant things and you know, yes. throw and them out, this, this is, is success. A really interesting what you're saying is like, what is uh, you know, defining the relevant actionable information? So um, would it be that any time you can need to take a change in treatment? Exactly, or exactly. If there is anything in the patient that changes, we can now measure digitally uh, bioparameters bio like weight, blood pressure, whatever, heart rate, activity. And if there is a change, then I can act on Correct. and react and bring the patient to the hospital or just phone him or her yes. in order to do something. And a, and a clinically relevant change that would exactly. that has some implications. Which is only a very small fraction of all the data that are transferred. That so most of the data, I don't know, I don't know, ninety percent would have to be filtered out without contacting me. No. And on the other hand, trusting from my side that this this has been filtered out yeah. adequately yeah. because it works nicely. Nice, really nice. So final one is, what do you think the future will hold for remote patient monitoring? If you look in five years, what do you think? Looking at, at, at what is now going on with, um, with artificial intelligence, I think this will be the way to go to, to, to make a good diagnosis, even to predict events. Mm. You can now even predict uh, from a P wave that this patient is prone to atrial oh, yeah. fibrillation or to heart failure yeah. uh, for the QRS complex, for example. We saw it Something today, like yeah. this, yeah. This, this, this will be the future. Nice. You know? And it will be more empowerment of the patient, him or herself, so that they are much more involved in their own health, yeah. health situation. Yeah. Well, uh, maybe just to round it off, I think three really important pillars that you've yeah. mentioned, the data standardization, yeah. the machine learning, yeah. and getting to actionable, exactly. uh, clinically relevant information that on a need-to-know basis in order to take exactly. certain actions that will lead to, to patient empowerment and you know, uh, less burden on the physician, just seeing the information that you need. Um, so I think it's really valuable information that you've shared with us today. Thank um, so thank you a lot for your time. It was a pleasure. And, uh, thank you. Thank you. Good. Nice. <laughs>